All right, guys, today I get to interview RJ DeLeon, someone who is a syndicator, uh, investor, so on and so forth. He's going to come to us today with some ideas about rookie mistakes, alternate ways of investing, et cetera. Um, so RJ, thank you for coming on the show today. And because our audience is mostly agents and investors, take us into, especially like if someone were was a successful agent, they're doing six, seven figures in their business, they're looking for ways to build some more passive or less active income, we'll say, what would be your approach right from the get-go? Right from the get-go, it's really like seeing investors. If you work with investors, start to understand what they do. Don't just come to their beck and call and do whatever it is mindlessly because that's huge opportunity. There's a lot of investors out there that use regular brokers and you can learn a lot from these people. They can turn into your mentors. You could obviously live vicariously, right, too. So like you can learn all the good things if they're doing good things and you can learn all the mistakes on their on their dime as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's let's take this into a direction of you know, what what sort of real estate investments are you doing and what should people be considering when they're choosing their asset class and how they're going to go about investing? Sure. So the wife and I currently invest in multifamily, um, multifamily real estate, whether it's residential or commercial. Uh, when you're looking at a property, you got to think about the cash flow opportunity, the cost of your capital. How much money am I going to put into this project versus how much money am I getting out on an annual basis? That will give you your cash on cash and it will help you understand how much value you're getting for your time, your efforts and your money. So at a very simplistic form, no matter what type of real estate you're investing in, you definitely want to understand what the numbers are and what your returns look like. I, I was interviewing somebody yesterday and, and obviously returns are a big thing. They were also mentioning like location and some of the softer elements outside the numbers, right? Obviously you want good numbers, but what, sure. what are some of the things outside of numbers that you look for before you pull the trigger on a deal? Well, okay. So that's the thing. If they're talking about other elements that to look for, those elements are going to increase your numbers. It always starts with numbers. The numbers get better, whether you're looking at locations, school districts, multifamily, larger scale multifamily, the type of asset, class A, class B, class C. So don't get it wrong. All these other elements are a factor but they factor into that number, into your, your, your return number. So the things that we look for are good, good school districts, nice blocks, um, we're typically a B to C class uh, asset class. They have better returns, better margins, something with a little bit of value add, that way you could force appreciation value add just means you're going to do work on the house so that you can extract maximum amount of value. Uh, typically, when a property is not turnkey, that is 
opportunity to add value by doing a little bit of work and increase that value. So if it's not turnkey, you're going to get it at discount. You should be at least getting it at discount. Was this your, always your strategy or did you have to make a few mistakes to kind of move into this? So, yes, it's always been this strategy. I'm not a genius or anything. The biggest thing is we network correctly. We learned and educated ourselves before we jumped into the deep end. That's one of the things a lot of people don't do when they're starting out. They don't take the time to do the homework up front. They want it here, now, fast. It can't come here fast enough. Like, I can't wait to get in my first deal. And that is an absolutely uh, bad mindset to have. You have to be patient so that you don't lose money on your first deal. Because that first deal you do can either send you home crying to mom, take you five, ten years to recoup, to regain your, your comfort levels to get back in the industry, or it could be a home run knocked out of the park and you're up and running. You learn a lot. You network with a lot of people and it, it's the best thing you ever did in your life. It's typically, you know, there are some um, uh, base hits out there. Obviously those are great as well. You're not losing, but I typically have seen two extreme sides of the spectrum. How is the current market affecting what you guys are doing? The current market is, it's bad. It's bad. Um, there's a lot of different nuances out there that are making it bad. One being the lending landscape, the type of loans that you can get. Uh, another being the extreme appreciation we've seen in the market over the past few years. It's putting it at levels that are too high to purchase. And even if something makes sense, those loans typically throw the returns out of balance so you can't make money. Um, so the market conditions are bad. Everybody's being patient. I know a lot of major players out there that are actually um, selling a lot of their assets uh, and then going to have their capital sit on the sidelines to take advantage of what we think is going to be a fire sale once all these loans come due, bridge debt, these larger multifamily. I think over 50% of the loans that are coming due are in jeopardy. And that's, that's, um, you can look that up on the internet. You know, it's, it's very well known fact. So, Let's say a lot of these start fire selling. How do you see those transactions happening? Do you think they're they're going to be creative or someone's going to have to come up with cash or get new loans? They're going to take a loss. Um, and so with these loans that are coming due that are in jeopardy, they've purchased under bridge debt, under false assumptions that the lending landscape would be better in the future. They've done short-term debt with um with crazy balloons at then commercial loans have big balloons at then and if you can't pay you gotta get rid of the asset so there that's why we think there's gonna be a fire sale 
because there's a lot of loans that are in jeopardy that cannot be refinanced. And if it's refinanced, the owners of those properties are going to take a huge hit because they won't be able to cover the DSCR or the debt service. Um, the DSCR is going to drop uh, below and banks won't underwrite that. Banks are underwriting or analyzing or looking at your deals very conservative. Those are all three things that mean the same. They're looking at your deals conservatively and they're not going to lend on a high risk asset. So and and that's it. Work. So they're they're going to have to sell sell at a loss in most cases, in a lot of cases. And with a lot of these being bought in syndications, it's really the LPs yep. they're going to take huge losses. Exactly. Yep. So what's the forecast? Like when do they think they think 2024, 2025, when do they think the fire sales are going to start happening? Um, so it's going to begin sometime 2024, probably end 2024, extend into 2025. I don't have my pulse extremely on that market. What I've done is I've pivoted my strategy, my long-term holds, my syndications in real estate, they are a-okay. We underwrite okay. We did a good analysis. We um, were meeting all projections. We have the ability to refi, to hit some of those capital events, and we'll be okay. So what I'm doing is basically I'm not looking at commercial deals anymore, and I pivoted into what you said, cannabis. I pivoted into alternative industries, both cannabis and also different verticalized industry within real estate. And that's because there's no deals out there. I'm not going to buy a deal. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, put myself in a huge risk position just because I want to be in real estate, which a lot of these people have done and are still currently doing, to be quite honest. Um, so that's what I'm doing and how I'm changing and pivoting my strategy. And what led you to cannabis in particular? Was it, again, the numbers or what kind of led you in that direction? So everything's relationship-based. Everything that I'm doing today is 100% real estate or uh, relationship-based, with the exception of actually getting into real estate, which I guess you could say was relationship-based because my wife my now wife is the one who like put that thought in my head and we move forward with it. The reason we're in Canvas is because we're looking for good returns. So it's always the numbers. We don't shy away from conversations just because we don't know anything about it. We understand there's multiple ways to make money, whether it's uh, carbon credits, investing in businesses, Canvas, all call, tobacco. Any industry, there's an opportunity to make money through passive investments, through PPMs. So my really good buddy from corporate brought the opportunity to us and said, hey, my best friend operates a huge facility. They're major players in Canvas. Do you want to take a look? And we're like, sure. What are the returns? 
and he's throwing out all these crazy returns and we're like wow they did that and he's like yeah I was like, absolutely let's figure out let's let's figure it out we'll invest uh we'll decide whether or not we'll invest so then we took the operating documents the investor memorandum we ran through it. We did some light research. We met the guys that operate. And because that relationship, um, it opened the doors for us to understand a brand new industry. And everything seemed perfect. And uh, so we're like, yeah, we'll invest. We ran it past some of our other investing partners. They invested as well. And it's been off to the races, and they're doing phenomenal things. We're a mid-sized company that's making waves. We operate in four states. And because of that, I said, hey, if there's ever, ever an opportunity to raise capital for them, I want to be a part of it. They're doing something huge here. It's a nascent industry. Basically, it's a new industry, huge long 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 runway, amazing potentials in the future. And this is a company that's going to maximize on those opportunities. So that's how we got here. Awesome. So everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Basically leveraging your contacts, leveraging the relationships, recognizing yep. first that the lane you're in is going to be a little bit turbulent. Um, yep. do you still kind of have your head in the multifamily game in the sense of like, just, is there any sort of systems you have to try and find the fire sales now? So yeah, the systems are my networks. Um, yeah. so what you'll find in the partnership is you will play to your strengths. My strengths are not scouring them alas, making, relationships with brokers, making 100 phone calls a day, creating those systems. That's not my lane. I'm an operator. I own a construction company. I understand how to run through projects, how to look at a building, understand what the deferred repair maintenance is, and have a good understanding of costs when it comes to rehabbing or revitalizing or stabilizing that property. So to your point, I am not a deal finder. I'm not part of acquisitions. 
you bring me you bring me a property i could tell you first glance i could look at the operating statements the t12 and i could say okay this seems right this doesn't seem right um let let's move further with with more legwork to see if it's an opportunity but you have to play to your strengths like you said i was an accountant in my past life i actually worked for jones lang lasalle um jones lang lasalle goblin company they're some of the largest in the world they commercial real estate services and so i utilized that skill set but i don't like that skill i honestly don't like that doing that stuff so i do what what i'm good at and what i enjoy doing the foundation though doing that skill set was very very helpful it sounds like it's helped you i mean obviously you had natural aptitude for it but it's helped you get yep. a very quick and efficient way of truly getting down to the bottom of things it sounds like sure sure but the thing that you have to understand is whether or not I have a formal education, I could, I could have built this skill set that I have now just doing what I'm doing. Honestly, so I have a master's degree in accounting. What I utilize to uh, underwrite buildings, I could have picked that up in a month, two months, a year of underwriting properties. So it's not a big scary thing that along those lines because i was a high school teacher for a few years what do you what, i mean obviously for you you didn't need to get that degree almost right. anything that, that's in your world right i mean our degrees essentially just not worth it anymore right well i i have to push back on you there uh, degrees are worth it if you want to walk down that path um, degrees are worth it. If you're a W2 employee, you like stability, you don't like risk, and you just want to work a comfortable job the rest of your life. It's going to get your foot in the door faster, quicker. It's going to put a, a skill set behind you. Regardless of the degree, you finish college. Uh, it's going to show that you have the ability to go through something like that. Uh, and that's honestly what degrees are, regardless whether you use the actual um, focus that you studied. So, yeah. So you got your master's degree in accounting. You work for a big accounting firm. What was the yep. pivot for you to do to go into syndications and to leave the accounting world? Other than obviously probably not loving what you're doing. Sure. So it was actually a much longer transition. So I was being overlooked for revenue side positions, being property managers. I was supposed to come over as an assistant GM for 15 East 26th Street in Manhattan, New York. The GM was trying to pull me over there and JLL put a glass ceiling on me. It felt like nobody was supporting me. They wanted to keep me in the accounting department. So I made a pact with myself and I said, uh, you know, one day I was hanging out with buddies and they said, are you happy? And I said, nope. And they said, are you making money? I said, nope. And they're like, well, why don't you come downtown and sell uh, and get into sales with us? You're shoe in. We know you. 
this is a perfect job for you. So I was living in the suburbs. So then I made a pact with myself. I'm going to move to the city. I'm going to find new jobs, start making six figures, and I'm going to be happy. And I was able to accomplish that in under a year. Um, I think my first full year at the new job that I got, I, I made three times what I was making in accounting. And it's not that I wanted to get out of accounting. I want to utilize my degree, but I did multiple interviews in finance, in accounting, and in sales. I only did one sales interview. Everything else was accounting, finance, family offices, all downtown. And none of them spoke to me. None, no, like none of the accounting, financial jobs like could really relate to me. I, I was a bartending manager in, in college and they were boring. And actually one of them said, you know, um, I know you have a, a, a sales interview later. And I just want to tell you, you're not going to be making the money that you're going to be making in sales. I'm like, what? What are, what are you telling me this stuff for? So I had the the sales interview and I was their, uh, I was a guinea pig because they had never hired an accountant. They had never hired outside of a sales role to be at the senior level uh, sales position that I was coming into. And uh, so I was a guinea pig and I had a full support and I ended up being extremely successful in that job because the managers I had. So let's talk about what needed to change for you. Who did you need to become to be able to be a great salesman? I mean, because generally the transition yep. from accountant to salesperson is pretty vast, <laughs> which is why yeah. it usually doesn't happen very often. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and also my connotation of sales. I, I thought salespeople were like not above board, but I had to fight those limiting beliefs because all my friends were salespeople and I loved them to death and they were great people and they were so close of friends with me. But I was like, still like that profession, it's awful. Um, but I was very outgoing. I was a very outgoing person. I was always social. And uh, what it took was a lot of hard work. So we were talking about how I got into cannabis. The guy that got me into cannabis worked with me at that job. And we used to be the only one, uh, two of four people in the office at 8.30, 9 p.m. at night, downtown Chicago. I'd pop my head up after like sitting there studying the sales, studying the product, and I'd stand up and uh, it would be James Quid, David Grish, and Benjamin Fongers. And because of that, we all became very tight-knit friends. We hung out all the time, everything. From from sales, from work, corporate to hanging out and leisure. And we James and I actually ventured into real estate together. I told him I found this great new thing, handed him some documents. He ended up buying a couple uh, mobile home parks and we bought a uh, residential multifamily. And now here we are again, meeting back in the middle and we're raising capital for the cannabis. Um, for the cannabis operations. 
So, so some of the key elements, obviously, as you're mentioning, is studying the product. How, how much attention did you give to studying the sales as a craft? Like, who did you, <laughs> who were your mentors? Like, who were you listening yeah. to? What books were you reading? So I wasn't actually reading any books. I didn't start reading books again until six years ago. Um, but in sales, they make you go through repetitive sales training and repetition Read, write, repeat is how I learn. So whether it was the blueprinting process, a, a certain person's process, there's so many, I can't even name them. And I was never interested in them. So I didn't retain the acronyms of what they are. But um, I cannot tell you how invaluable those sk sales skills are to me today with presenting deals, dealing with people, talking to them about investments. Uh, these are some of the largest choices that people will ever make in their lives, apart from buying windows and siding, which I sold, and apart from selling cars, which I also sold. But I took both those um, experiences for granted. And I was like, I feel awful about this. I, I don't want to be this person. But uh, knowing that those are some of the largest investments people will ever make in their lives, and I was doing it at 18 years old, and younger than 18 years old, it gave me a tough skin. So if I could dial this back here and repeat it for you, essentially, guys, what I did is like, yeah, I've only been in real estate six years, but it has been a culmination of my entire life experiences that have set me up to, to run when it's time. I finally found a passion. I finally found work that doesn't feel like work because when you love what you do, you do what you love. And I do it every single day now. But if I didn't have the accounting experience, the sales experience, uh, the social skills of who I am and how I always showed up, this would not be possible. So I have to tell you guys, like, you got to be patient. You got to be patient. You got to do the work. You got to do the due diligence. And regardless of what job you're in, maximize the skill sets that you're learning, even if it's whatever it is, serving. I served at Denny's for five years, and that gave me tough skin again. It taught me how to talk to multiple personalities, how to present myself in the least... Um, in the least threatening way so that I could appeal to whoever I was serving. You know, like as a server, you rely heavily on tips. So it was, how do I present myself? How do I show up to the table? What do people think about me? How can I be the least threatening and the most inclusive of all personalities? And then on the back end, the operational end, how do I do my job better? I was the fastest server. I'd get out drinks the fastest. I'd bring out the tip. I would touch base with the table. I would offer desserts. I would upsell. And that was all selling. But at the time, I didn't know it was. I thought I was just being uh, a tentative server. So when you see a server that is on their game, 
That's why you always hear about these really rich guys offering servers jobs that change their life or that come in and they've been working with the server. They figure out their life story and one day they leave them a $10,000 tip. That's why it's, it has nothing to do with, I mean, a little bit with right place, right time. But it's how do you show up to work? How do you show up to the table? And that's a huge concept that everybody takes uh, for granted. And they don't understand that life is a series of interviews, regardless of if you think you're being interviewed. A hundred percent. Obviously, you and I know this is an interview, but all yeah. the other interactions we're going to have today are not interviews. Yeah. Or yep. we don't think of them as, but they really are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What is your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? Next 12 to 18 months, I got to close this capital raise for Canvas. We got a very heavy lift right now. You know, people, I'm in a camper, fifth wheel camper. Wife and I have been traveling the country for seven months. All my friends think, oh, I'm just on vacation. I struck it rich. I don't work. I don't have to do anything. I've been on 10 hour phone calls for days straight, not even days, months straight. People see me on Facebook and I'm in California, I'm in Phoenix, I'm in Arizona, um, uh, not Las Vegas. And they're like, man, you travel, that must be the life. They don't understand that. Oh my gosh, I just work 20 hours a day from sunup to sundown on a plane for 12 hours to talk to somebody for five minutes to gain their business, to build better relationships like this is not this is not for the weak of heart um and sorry i'll dial it back here 12 to 18 months sorry i get passionate about it yeah. 12 to 18 yeah. months i am finishing this capital raise i am starting a development company in southwest florida we're gonna come to the market with uh we're may dial it back so Originally, it was five single-family homes, brand-new uh, development. We may do two to three now, given the market conditions. We may dial it back a little bit. Um, I am still building my construction company in Chicago, so I'm bringing in consultants I have to hire out because we're getting too big, too fast. Um, so I got to hire that out. I got to close out some of the syndications that we're currently on. So 12 to 18 months, it's really honing in on the process for the development group and the construction company in Chicago. It's closing out this capital raise for Canvas. And uh, we come back and I just need to take a breather. I need to take a load off. My vacation is coming home and not and turning off my phone, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Love it, man. RJ, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your business, giving us some alternate ways. And I just yeah. love the story of a, an accountant turned hardcore salesperson, <laughs> not hardcore is probably not the right word, yeah. but you're selling a lot of stuff. So a lot kudos, of stuff. Yeah. Kudos to you, man, for making that journey. One of the things I took away from today's episode is just really, it's kind of the underlying things, the things maybe you didn't say, like the who, not how, right? I mean, in the relationship yep. elements, right? That, that you can get insight much faster into a business if you have the right connections, as opposed to always learning the how. So guys, whatever you took away from the, today's episode, write it down, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. 
because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Absolutely. See you guys. Look me up, social media. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 